Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. show which show oh most popular girls in school oh yeah hi hi bye yes i still say hi and bye like that all the time (laughs) that was a banger of a show it's such a banger and then it just got really weird when they started doing um like sponsors in the middle of them i didn't get that far didn't get that far i did into the barbie doll show oh i mainly liked because there was one of the characters was the Teenage Ariel doll. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. You remember? Yeah, I do remember. <laughs> and the grown-up sister was a Merida doll. Yes. <laughs> so There funny. are only so many dolls. So many. Anyway, this is Murder in the Land of Oz. <laughs> a podcast not that- about that doll show that was on YouTube. <laughs> I'm Jess. I'm Ellen. And yay! We're going to talk to you about murder. Um, did you have a shout out to start the show? I off? did have a shout out. I am shouting out to friend of the podcast, Brooke. Brooke. I, I feel comfortable calling Haven't her the you, but you're best a friend chick. of the podcast. Thank you for buying merch and thank you for telling every person you've ever met about the show. Spe- we appreciate it. Speaking of merch, you listening with your ears now can go to Tee Public and search Murder in the Land of Oz and you can buy a t-shirt. It has our full names written on it. <laughs> You can show everyone you know our, our full, full names. names so they can find us and steal our identity. On a magnet, there's a phone case, a pillow if you need it. Get cozy with Jess, Ellen, and a little bit of matter. Always. 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 Oh, no, I didn't get red lipstick on the microphone. That's good. Um, So some breaking news tonight was there was like a horrible triple homicide. In Perth, there's no information, but it looks like there's a 19-year-old kid that's um, in custody at the moment. There was uh, two women and a man that were found dead in Ellenbrook. Oh, yikes. Yikes. That's your name that's with my Brooke name on and it. with Brooke's name. Whoa. So we'll get some more information about that um, over the next couple of weeks. And also um, a body was found in a wheelie bin in Melbourne. So um, there, there's really no information about like what age – the remains were, I guess they're going to have to get like a bones mm. lady in. Yes, a bones lady. Mm. I believe that's the technical term. <laughs> One of them, Kathy Rikes's. An anthropologist, yes. maybe. A forensic anthropologist. Forensic anthropologist to examine the remains and I guess we'll find out who it is. But they are opening like all the missing persons reports so they which can is, try and find it because the body looks like it's been there for about 15 years yeah which is yikes that's a long obviously time yikes but also fantastic that it was found because there is quite a few missing persons that it yeah could be, so. closure closure is important it's important i just want to let everybody know as well i've got my podcast dressed on tonight jess has a specific dress that she wears for the podcast. Well, I got it yesterday, but this is going to be my podcast dress. I got it from work and it's green corduroy and it's so comfy. Jess thinks you can't podcast in jeans. You can, but I am, you know, hormones. I'm going through like a big stage at the moment where I'm inhaling every single thing I see. And I am above average weight at the moment for myself. So I just I need to wear moo's or tents from now on. So hence. I support your moo and or tent life. Thank you. Anyway, I guess we should get onto the case that we're gonna do tonight. It's my turn. Aren't you all excited because of how well the last one went? I can it hear went the well. cheers. Shush. I can Silence. hear the cheers. Silence you. Of you nearly 
a thousand subscribers nearly yikes thank you guys please get better hobbies <laughs> but don't continue but don't your probably continue depressing lives anyway so it's my turn tonight um and just to start off the story so this is um this is a cold case unsolved from 1952 in Brisbane and it's one that I the a crime scene I lived very close proximity to for a very large portion of my life. Literally, like, could see it yeah, from your house. Pretty much. Um, So it was funny. I was at Patti Lapone. I went and saw Patti Lapone in concert. And Name I drop. was – Yeah, obviously. She's the best. Friend of the podcast. Um, <laughs> Thanks for your continued thanks support. Thanks for your continued support, Broadway Patti legend. Lapone. Lapone. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So I was with my mother and then I was with um, my acting teacher from uni, Kate Foy, and we were talking about um, this new interest that I have that's popped up out of nowhere. And I was like, well, yeah, like I started listening to My Favourite Murder last year and then this is sort of snowballed into me doing my own podcast. And mum was like, "Um, no, you've definitely loved this stuff for a very, very long time. And I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, do you remember your dad and I used to call you Yana? And I was like, oh, when I was being weird or something, she's like, yeah, we used to call you Yana after Yana Vent, the current affairs presenter, because you used to get obsessed about murders that were reported on the news. What age range was this? Like five. Messed up. She was like, there's one thing, this one story that she remembered was that I, we were on holidays at Parisian Beach and there was like a horrible murder or something in Cairns or North Queensland or something. And they were reporting it on the news. And every time we'd go out, I'd make, I'd like make sure we got home, turn on the news to see if anything new had been reported. At five years old. I know. How weird is that? I have no memory of this. Something nestled deep down in your brain hole. Yeah. Around that time. So it kind of a, – a lot of my life now makes sense mm. as to what's wrong with me. Mm. Um, I'm still waiting for that penny drop That moment. penny to drop of yeah. like, why do I do this? Why am I like this? Why? why? Me lying awake in bed at night, every night going, Just like, why am I like this? <laughs> Rejoice. Rejoice. <laughs> so um, when I, I was fortunate enough to go to Wilston State School when I was a child, it was okay. Nobody liked the arts there. It was mainly about academics and sports, so I didn't fit in. Um, and when I I have this like very vivid memory, and I don't know if this is actually true, but when I was ten, we had like a bush dance on or something, and mm-hmm. we snuck into the library because we were rebels. Oh wow! Oh my God, cuff them, boys. Cuff. Anyway, um, so we snuck into the library and I was freaking out because I'm a big puss and we <laughs> <laughs> I don't like breaking rules. Um, and we started to tell ghost stories and this girl that she was like a popular girl at school and we weren't friends, but I really wanted to be friends with her. She started telling the story about this apparent murder that happened across the road from the school. And I and she's like a young girl. She was coming home and she like she was she got off the tram and then she was walking home and then she got killed and i was like baffled to say the least mm. and like freaked out like had this happened recently was there a murder at my school and i didn't know about it so i was going to start investigating so where did i start my mother so i asked my mom when i was like 10 about a murder committed near school and she said that a young girl was killed after she had gotten off the tram at the top of the hill at days road and had walked thomas down thomas street and that it was a long time ago and that i shouldn't worry about it and then i realized oh wait the apartment building that i live on is on the corner of thomas and carberry street yikes big yikes so up until recently betty shanks was a ghost story to me. A girl walking home and a monster had killed her because it was easier for me to believe that a monster did this to Betty Shanks instead of some guy lurking at a tram stop in a brown suit. Betty Shanks, our victim for the evening, was uh, born in sometime in 1930. And that to me is the saddest part of this whole thing is that her murder is more noted than her birth. That is so depressing. So yeah. we don't know what year she was born. So I went on Find a Grave mm-hmm. and there's all it says is 1930. So we can go to Mount Gravatt and try and find her because she's in the um, – I don't even know if her grave is, like, up there in case it gets vandalised or something like that because of how prolific mm. this event was. Um, 
but I'm sure I'm sure it's noted down somewhere, but I couldn't find it anywhere. Um, so she was a psychology graduate from the University of Queensland, and at the time of her murder, she was a, a clerk for the Commonwealth Department of the Interior. She lived at 50, uh, 54 Montpelier Street, Wilston. She was happy and well-liked by her friends and worked colleagues. Her home life and her relationship with her parents and younger brother was very important to her. She had a few close girlfriends that she went to the pictures with, but she didn't have a boyfriend. In early 1952, she is quoted to having said to her father, there must be something wrong with me. Men don't seem to be interested in me. Same. Doll. Me reaching out to Betty Shanks across time to like high five her. Yeah. I don't know what it is. It's because men are shit. Oh, yeah. Um, Solved it. So 1952, apart from being murdered was a very big year for Betty Shanks. She had earlier in the year won the lottery. What? Literally. She won half, a half share in the uh, like the winning lottery entry of three. Th- so she won 3,000 pounds. So in today's money, that's a quarter of a million dollars. No. I know. I'm so shocked. She like Ellen's face is so shocked right that's now. That's amazing. And I have to say like as – spending your lottery money goes she's the sweetest she paid out her parents mortgage she gave money to her parents so that they can renovate the house and she used some of the money to pay for an operation to straighten out her spine i know that is so precious. that's so fucking sad that's what everybody says that they do with their lottery money while mentally being like Eight Rolls Royces. I'm going to buy iPhones. a car. I'm going to buy a cat that's pink. I'm going to buy a dog. I'm going to buy a goat. I'm going to buy a llama. You're just like starting your like what? Like animal farm business? Yeah. Like little petting zoo? But she literally like she was living at home. So she paid paid out her parents' house. Like how stoked would they have been? Mm. Oh, Don't so, get any ideas, mum and dad. so sweet. Yeah, we were talking about Jason and I were talking about the other the other night. Like, what would you do if you won the lottery? And you were like, goat, llama, chicken, <laughs> camel, other animal. No, well, yes, maybe. Um, but like, would you give your parents money? Of course, I love my parents. Yeah, I'd give them like half a mil each. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Good. I'm not crazy. So, um, back to Betty, who has literally just paid for her spine to be straightened. Her mode of transport to get to and from her work in the city was the tram. Now, let's get real. Um, Brisbane got rid of its trams. Like the last operating tram was on the 13th of April, 1969. Melbourne and Adelaide are the only remaining cities that use the tram system because hipster. Mm. Um, We don't have trams. We We have buses. And especially at the Grange, I feel like the tram system would have been really important because like the bus system, even from the Grange, like that's not that far from the city as areas go. And it is still so fucking hard to get a bus from there. It's Brisbane so public difficult. transport is very stuck in the medieval oh. days. So um, the tram line was that, uh, that tram line was the Grange, the Grange terminus went from the Grange to Tawong. Mm. That's how it worked. So um, <clears throat> Betty attended night school two times a week. <coughs> Pardon me. On Wednesdays and Fridays at the Commercial Girls High School on George Street. And that was the one that was in Reg Brown. So his daughter went there. Um, The classes would start at 5.30 and they would finish around 10 to 9. She attended the classes with her work supervisor, John Frederick Ducey, and he would give her a lift from their work on Ann Street to the class. So... Friday, the 19th of September, Betty, Mr. Ducey and nine other students attended their class in the per- in personnel practice. The lecturer for the night was a qualified accountant called El- Edward Milliken and he was like a top bloke. He lived in Woolowin and he would give students lifts home oh, after nice. the class, which is so nice. So that night he gave, he would give Betty's uh, lift home, but he had like a dinner arrangement on or something. So that night he gave Betty a lift and two other students um, to Lutwich. So um, they got out of the car at tram stop 19 on Lutwich Road where the train, where the Grange tram left the Lutwich line to go to the terminus at the um, Days Road. So Betty waited for the tram for 20 minutes before boarding tram 434, which took her to the Grange terminus on Days, on Days Road. She arrived there at 9.32 and 20 minutes later she was dead. And that's all the fact that is known of the last, like the last live 
whereabouts of oh Betty. My God, she no. saw people on the tram. She saw people at the bu- at the tram stop. But after that, nothing. That's it. So, five thirty nine a.m. the next morning, Alex Stewart, who was um, so, but bear in mind, like I said, that Betty's family and her were very very close, so they mm. had reported her missing one thirty a.m. On the on the twentieth, so at five thirty nine a.m., Alex Stewart, who was an off duty policeman, went outside to collect his paper when he saw Betty Shanks in the garden of his neighbor's house, which is the corner of Thomas and Carberry Street, one hundred and fifty meters from the tram stop. Stewart immediately contacted CIB, and fifteen de- detectives rushed to the scene. Betty had been savagely kicked, beaten, and strangled. Her underwear had been removed, but there was no sign of sexual assault or rape. Police in 1952 speculated that the killer might have been disturbed by Alex Stewart because there was a scream heard. So he looked out the window and the um, perpetrator just quickly left the scene. Legged it. Yeah. Um, In appearance, the attack didn't seem like it was motivated by theft because there wasn't actually anything taken. Her um, bag was like all the contents of the bag were scattered, but she still had her watch on and she still had um, a ring and a necklace on. So um, it's safe to say that the scene was not secured. Um, It was trampled by police and press and even people from the public who wanted to get up close and personal to the crime scene. Like old timey police officers not securing crime scenes. Yeah. I thought you were going to bring up people going to the crime scene and it's like, well, they didn't have television. So it's like Saturday morning. In 1952. Yes, they did. Oh no, no. But most people wouldn't have had it. Not everybody would have had a television. So they would have been like, oh, what's going on at that house down there? Still, even, I just feel like if you see a dead body, do you want to get all up in it? No, definitely not. Definitely not. My impulse is no. And I'm obsessed with murder, so. Yeah. What's That's your, the thing. What's I was excuse? talking to Almost Lawyer Brit today. We worked mm-hmm. together. It was a really fucking slow Sunday. Um, and she was like, why don't you, like, go into doing, like, police stuff? And I was like, it's one thing to talk about it and then it's another thing to actually have to see it. If I ever saw a dead body, I would immediately just, like, evaporate. Like, I would just freak out. It's pretty weird. It's weird. I have to say. Yeah, it's not. I haven't seen like a murdered dead body or just like a body hanging out, but in the context of seeing dead bodies in a normal situation, like at a funeral, at a funeral or a hospital, already not right. It's very odd. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of people were all up in the crime scenes business, you know, and you know it was fucked up. So it wasn't cordoned off. It wasn't really there was you know blood spatter that was on the pavement was compromised because all these people Mm. were walking all over it because the theory was is that she was pitched over the fence oh so she wasn't killed in the backyard she was killed on the sidewalk and then pitched over the fence over okay so the community became really really concerned the bed the murder of betty shanks was really brutal like i read i know who killed betty shanks and i i got about i i will be honest i didn't get all the way through it because i found it was he focused on one subject, which we'll talk about, mm. um, but I didn't really get all the information that I needed, for, so I had to go to other sources. But I did start I Know Who Killed Betty Shanks and I will get the man's name who wrote it. Come on, Kendall. Ted Duz, I think his name is Ted Duz. I'll take your word for that pronunciation. Um, and in his book, which I don't necessarily agree with, and the police and um, one of the other people that has written a book about Betty Shanks actually got really upset about, he actually included one of the crime scene photos, which I think is, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a person. I think th- I remember reading about this kind of controversy when I Yeah, and the, the fact case. is none of it was blurred out or anything to protect Betty. Because mm. the fact is she's a person, mm. like – It's all well and good to talk about this shit, but at the end of the day, she was a 22-year-old girl. See, I agree with that, but I also kind of don't agree in the sense that, like, you know, I don't really think that it should be cleaned up for, like, you know, to make it, like, safe for entertainment. Like, we are talking about murders and rapes and horrific stuff. There's no point pretending that. fact is, like... I mean, would I want my dead body, like, a photo in the book? No, and that's that's how I put it. Would I, if something happened to me, would I want my, because that's the thing, her underwear was off and her skirt was pulled up. Like, there's no dignity Mm. in that. And for someone who seemed very dignified, 
I don't think it's the right I guess thing. It's kind of like the the Black Dahlia, you know, the photos of her Ooh. have been shared around for, you know, how many years. And I think it's dehumanizing to, that's in a the way. Thing. And it's also desensitizing. Yeah, true. Where we become accustomed to seeing these images and it's like, you know, for normal people who see that image and go, oh, that's horrible. Yeah. And then there's some really fucked up people out there that go, oh, look at that. Yeah. yeah. I know like I've seen some pretty horrific photos like just online during my time doing research and stuff like that. And there are like you do kind of look at it detached when you're used to it. You yeah. know what I mean? You do just kind of go like, oh, that's a bit gross. You don't necessarily go, this bathroom is covered in another human being's blood. Yeah, You just yeah. kind of go like, oh, what's that blood spatter? And then yeah. you kind of have to look at yourself and be like, yo, girl. Check. Check. Check, Check it. Okay. So um, the community became really concerned after the murder of Betty because it was very brutal and it appeared random and unknown. She was a dignified girl that didn't really go out very much only had very limited social things. Like she was a very high-risk victim mm. and people were really, really worried and people were worried that they were going to st- strike again, basically. Um, so this was a time, this, uh, the, the, the time period preceding Betty's death was when Brisbane was thought to have lost its innocence a little bit and it, everyone became a lot more cautious. I remember my grandma my grandpa talking to me about this and this was when everyone seriously considered about locking their doors every night making sure that there were bars on the window Mm. and um my grandma was saying that that was when she stopped walking home by herself from buses and trams like they would buddy up I know that's really sad um so Wilson State School is right across the road from the murder scene so thank god it wasn't a school day yeah the day that Betty Shanks was found was um, it was a Saturday morning. So less likely for a lot of children to be around the school premises. Um, And it's, the school is still open today. It was where I went to school Um, and teachers at the school encourage students to actually walk on the opposite side of the road instead of, you know, Hey kids don't work on the murder side. The murder side of the road. Um, so there was also concern that the murderer was local to the area. So they organized, the police organized this massive door knock thing that went to the Wilson Grange area. So, and then it was later extended to Windsor and Newmarket. So several thousand houses were door knocked and police noted the males that were living there and their whereabouts that were relevant to the time of Betty's murder. So, um, the first clue that concerned the the first clear concern, the brutality and the ferocity of the attack was that she was kicked with such force about the face that one of her teeth was forced through her cheek oh, and found Lord. several feet away from the body. So this suggested to the police that the murderer had a background history of violence and was possibly a psychopath. Most definitely a psychopath. Yeah, look, I'm no psychologist, but... <laughs> since, I reckon that's a bit weird. That- and then it says, since a normal person even went in... in angered and enraged doesn't act out in that way no no say when I've been angry or enraged I don't do that um the second clue concerned two bloodied handprints on the upper rail of the um the property um so this was only a few feet away from the property which the perpetrator had apparently like vaulted the fence when he departed departed the scene Mm -hmm. instead of like going through the like the front fence which would have been more likely for him to have been seen Mm. makes sense um these prints indicated that the murderer had large hands, so most probably a man. Um, and a third clue involved traces of black shoe polish that was found on Betty's, fa- uh, Betty's face and also her legs where she was kicked during the assault. And this indicated that the murderer had polished his shoes when uh, around about before the murder happened and some of like the polish was transferred onto the skin. Um, the fourth clue was um, the most valuable, but at the same time the most puzzling, and it was this um, patterned mark on Betty's forehead, which was clearly visible in the autopsy. So people were really freaked out, and this was, like there was a thousand-pound reward for anyone that had information that would lead to the incarceration of somebody responsible for Betty Shanks's death. Um, and her, I, this is the most fucked up thing to me. Her bloodied clothes were on display at the Royal National Show. There's a picture of them like in a window display being like, do you know anything? Like how fucked is that? I and mean, also, can you say contaminating evidence? Yeah, right. I mean, I know they didn't know about DNA or anything back then, but like. 
They couldn't have just did what they did for Alice and Blade and Clay and like put similar clothes up to see if anybody recognized. What are you going to, you're going to look at somebody's bloody clothes and be like, wait a second, that blood pattern. I know exactly who did this. I think it was just, even though not many people needed to be more shocked than they already were, maybe it was that, the shock inducing. Maybe. Maybe they go, oh, well, my neighbor Daryl's a weirdo. He might have done it. He kicks kicks teeth through the cheek all the time. (laughs) Daryl. Poor guy. Daryl. So to this day, there is still a $50,000 reward for a conviction in the murder of Betty Shanks. There have been a few people, to say the least, that have come forward to saying that they killed Betty Shanks. But so far, all theories have been disproved by the police. So suspects or suspected suspects or the ones that I'm interested in, but maybe none of them did it. It remains <laughs> unsolved. unsolved. I love that show. Those guys are so great. They're so funny. Are you a Shaniac or a Bugara? Which one's the tall, dark and handsome one? Shane. Love him. Also. Oh, he looks like Adrian Brody, but better. I agree with that sentiment. Oh, he's gorge. Love him. So. This is the theory that I knew of. Mm-hmm. So um, there was a woman who at the time that this was written in 2013, 2014, was still living in Brisbane. She was 89, left, un- left work unexpectedly that September ni- in 1952, and she left work early and this might have saved her life and maybe why – Betty Shanks died. So Ken Blanche, who wrote um, Who Killed Betty Shanks? Different um, from I Know Who Killed yes. Betty Shanks. Um, the Wilston Murder Mystery, wrote a book, um, tells the story of an extraordinary luck of Ina Ellen Bet- Betty Hamilton. More names than we have. Yeah. Ina Ellen Betty Hamilton. I have one more name than that. So... <laughs> Sorry, Ina Ellen Betty Hamilton. I got your beat. I got five. Uh, Okay, so Ina Hamilton lived into her old age of 89 and she is thought of to be the most luckiest woman in Queensland. Miss Hamilton lived with her parents two blocks from Betty Shanks in her mid-30s. She worked as a hairdresser but also doubled three nights a week at the receptionist of Dr. Leonard Knott at his surgery at the Grange Terminus on Days Road. So... Notwithstanding their age disparity, Miss Hamilton looked like Betty Shanks, particularly in build because um, I know I hate to say that I saw the crime scene photos, but I did. She was like a, she was a bit bigger than average. Like she wasn't like fat, I would per se, but she was quite tall and mm-hmm. stocky, muscly. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, tram conductor Reginald Walsh would often mistake Betty as Ina. Oh. Which is interesting. So um, that was, and that was the night that Betty was that was Betty was killed. Mm-hmm. He called her Ina. Mm-hmm. So Ina had left work twelve minutes before Betty had gotten off the tram at nine thirty two. Um, so this strange, like, Cohen Kidding is maybe why Betty died because the theory was, and this is what I heard a few years ago, and this is what I thought until I'd researched some of the other theories was that Betty was killed because she was mistaken as the um as the secretary Ina. as Ina mm-hmm. because somebody wanted to break into the doctor's surgery and to take money and to take drugs. Interesting. I don't know why you'd kill the secretary to do that. Well, would that be the only way that he could get a key or something like that? Well that's but that explains the purse. Oh, why all of her stuff was everywhere. Because so he was trying to find whether or not he actually meant to kill whoever he thought it was, they, well, you know, he might have wanted to just rough her up a little bit, but she might have yeah. fought because. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah. So they, he was trying to get the key for the right. doctor's surgery to mm-hmm. get the drugs, which to me sounds the most logical. It does sound logical. It sounds really logical. So, um, Miss Hamilton normally finished work at 9.30. She worked usual as a Friday night, but she actually had left 10 minutes early. She walked across Carberry Street through um, the shadow of death because basically next to the house where Betty was found were these two trees that cast like a really dark shadow. So and the, people called it the shadow of death? Well, no, they call it that now. Oh, okay. I thought they called it that before and I was like, 
Excuse your tempting fate. You don't get to call a patch of trees a shadow of death and not have some freaky shit go down there. But it makes more sense the other way around. Anyway, Excuse so me. the shadow of death that was done by the B-A-U-H-I-N-I-A. Bahunia? Bahinia? Bahunia. Bahunia. Bahunia trees. Um, so this was like, uh, this was 200 meters away from the corner of Thomas and Daisy Street uh, from Betty's house. So, yeah, that's one theory. Mm-hmm. So that was one theory. So Blanche suggests that, you know, the most common motive in most things, drugs. Mm. So had the killer stalked and ambushed her for the keys to the doctor's surgery, that might explain the ferocity of the attack, anger, frustration at not finding what he was after. Um, but the motive definitely wasn't sex. Mm-hmm. Even though, I don't know, maybe it was. But the thing was Betty wore a corset mm-hmm. because of her back surgery. Right. So that of all, that also might have made it difficult. If the motive was, the motive sex, was to sex actually. Um. So magnification of the marks on Betty's forehead studied during his, like, the book, um, there were, like, dots that were round that were, like, up, like, the crown of her head. Mm-hmm. Um, some appeared to be square or rectangular. Others were, like, a regular shape, and the abrasions contained groups of smaller dots. So probably, like, um, someone thought it was, like, the tops of army boots. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Second theory. That I'm because I read the all I read the majority of the book about it, and this was the one that was I know who killed Betty Shanks by Ted Durs. Okay, sure. I don't necessarily agree with this. This is a horrible story. Okay, the name of the theory is my dad did it, not oh, my dad. No. <laughs> Ted Durs's dad. No, 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 no. Oh, not Ted Durs's dad? dad. Not Ted Durs's dad. Okay, so in 1999, a lady had written to the Courier Mail and had mm-hmm. said. My dad killed Betty Shanks, mm-hmm. and Ted Durs was like, "I'm going to go me. talk I'm to her. Write me a book." So her name is her name in 1952 was Delcia um, Sterry, but she's now married, and her name is Daish Bertles. Both so, of those sounds like Harry Potter characters, most definitely. Or spells. So. Um, in 1960, Daesh had gone to the Fortitude Valley Police Station and told them in that in 1952, so this is back in the 60s, mm-hmm. that her father, who fancied himself in a relationship with Betty Shanks, killed her. Um, but the police were like, we know your dad. He'd never do it because apparently he was a locksmith, so he used to work for the police right? and change the locks. So they were like, no, 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 out you go. So in the years that followed – Um, she made two more attempts to tell the police about her story and on each occasion was found to be um, wrong. So then in 2013, she told Ted Durs about her story and Ted wrote the book and it was published and all about Betty Shanks' death. So poor Daesh had a very hard life. Her parents married. He was in the army. He had like a lot of illnesses during his service. He kept on getting scabies, which is just oh, makes my no. skin crawl. And his. Um, and her mother was a bit of a party girl, apparently. Um, and according to Daesh, she was uh, raped repeatedly by her father and molested and actually gave birth to his baby. I know. This, this case has taken a turn. This book that I read, it was less about Betty Shanks and more about Daesh, which is understanding because obviously this woman has gone through some horrible, horrible trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, so she gave birth to her father's child. Ugh. Okay. So apparently, so this in 1952 when Betty was working at the Commonwealth uh, for the interiors, she um, – her job was to like organize, like part of her job was to organize maintenance. So that is apparently when Eric Sterry, Daisha's dad, mm-hmm. had met Betty Shanks. Mm-hmm. So Betty was also in the like she was also in the newspaper a bit because of the lotto, the lotto win. Um, and Eric apparently, according to Daisha, like fancied himself in a relationship with Betty. And she tells this story about her and her younger brother going in the car from their house at Bowen Hills to the Grange to, like, meet up with Betty. They didn't know it was Betty. They didn't directly speak to Betty, but apparently 
It was Betty Shanks. Um, so Eric was like discharged from the army. He had like a hard marriage to his wife um, and had like all of these problems. Always, Also, he had like all of these illnesses and Daisha was like very scared of her father because of, you know, all of the horrible things that he was doing. Um, so he, his marriage was disintegrating and, um, he began to see like a possible future with Betty. Obviously we don't know how Betty felt or if Betty even actually knew this guy. No, exactly. Um, so she, Daish tells the story that that night her and her brother Went, were in the car with their dad and they were parked on English Street, which is near Wilston State School, but it's not, you can't, you wouldn't be able to see the car from where they, like where Betty was found mm-hmm. murdered. They were in the car and they were there for ages. And apparently her dad favored wearing brown suits. Right. So he could have been brown suit guy at the terminus mm-hmm. waiting for waiting Betty. Waiting for her to get off the tram. Yeah. So. Daisha and her brother were sitting there forever and then all of a sudden her dad came back and they drove straight home to Bowen Hills and that night apparently he burned his clothes and the next day she had to clean his shoes out and there was like all this shit in his shoes, like all this brown stuff and like upon reflection she realised that it could have been blood. Right. Apparently her father had a photo of Betty Shanks in a photo album. But also it could have been anybody because, like, I was reading a news article the other day and they were talking about Betty Shanks and they had another woman that wasn't Betty Shanks in the photo. I was like, I've seen a picture of Betty Shanks before that isn't her. It could have just been anybody because apparently this guy was psychotic. So he could have just found a photo and been like, that's Betty Shanks. That's Betty Shanks, yeah. Or it could have just been, I mean, unless it said, you know, my love Betty Shanks underneath it. How would, if she didn't Well, apparently it was Betty Shanks was, like, name was there, but, it like you know, 50s photos weren't exact. No, that's they not HD. High, high, it's no iPhone 10 front facing camera. Yeah. Um, quick question. Mm. Why did this man take his kids to his booty calls? I don't know. His they wife wasn't home. Because she was a party girl. Yeah. She was having some 1952 who knows? parties. Who, who knows? He's just taking his kids everywhere. It's so weird. Um. So, yeah, that's the other theory, mm-hmm. which is weird. And if you want to read the book, Go for it, but you're not going to find out much about Betty Shanks. You've got to mainly find out about Daish and her horrible life and how Ted Durs thinks that Eric Sterry did it. And I feel awful if this poor man who suffered from mental illnesses and was obviously, you know. If it wasn't true. If it wasn't true. And also, well, I don't feel awful. I don't feel bad for him because he probably raped and molested his daughter. Because who would make that shit up? But no one. But he maybe didn't kill Betty but Shanks. But he maybe didn't kill Betty Shanks. And I feel, yeah, questioning about that. All right. Third theory. <laughs> a lot of theories, not actual truths because no one knows what's happened. Apparently there there is a homicide detective that has this case at the moment. All, it's open. Yeah. It's an open case. Yeah. If you guys have any tips, yeah, call Crime Stoppers. Um, no, because I was my mum's partner, who is a policeman. Homicide detectives get a certain number of cold cases every year right. to still look at. Of I'm not course. sure how much more information they're going to get. I also don't know how much DNA evidence they're going to get because it seems like shit was contaminated. Yeah, I wouldn't be DNA testing those bloody clothes that were on display at the royal show because old mate definitely picked it up and was like, "This is weird." Yeah. Mm, no. All right, third theory. Ipswich author Lyle Reed is set to name a former police officer as being responsible for the death of Betty Shanks. Right. Right, got it. I didn't go too far into the book reading of this because it feels like he's just picked this up out of nowhere. Right. Okay. <laughs> so Mr. Reed claims that he solved the mystery of what caused the distinct imprint on Miss Shanks' forehead, which he insists... He insisted was caused by a rubber knee pad on the fuel tank of a motorcycle. So he thought that a cop hit Betty Shanks, thought he'd killed her. Uh huh. Maybe accident, maybe not. Uh huh. And then when he heard her moaning, strangled her to finish her off. Wait, did, was there any evidence of strangling? Yes, she was beaten and she was strangled. She was definitely strangled. Yes. <laughs> it seems 
whack. Yeah, it does. That's why I didn't go into it too much, but I did want to talk about it. So, but so hit, she was hit with a motorcycle. Yeah. Enough for him to think that she was dead. Yeah. But not enough for her to have any motorcycle injuries apart from an imprint on her forehead. Yeah. And that was the pattern that they thought was from like a shoe print, from yeah. like an army shoe print. I feel print. like considering she was definitely kicked in the face, a shoe print, I'm no detective, but a shoe print is probably more likely than a, the cap from a fuel part of a motorcycle. Knee pad on the Knee fuel pad. tank of a motorbike. And then he's like, he. I actually watched him do this thing and I'll, I'll link it somewhere. I'll pop it up on the Facebook, this mm. link to this um, news story because it was in QT News. He got... The um the knee pad from a 1952 motorbike. He put some shoe polish on it, and then he brushed it against a piece of paper, and it made a marking. Whether or not it actually looked like the marking on Betty Shanks, I don't we think don't so. Know. <laughs> it just looks like a bit. I was like, um, that just looks like shoe polish on a piece of paper. I don't know. I mean, re the shoe polish. We're a hundred percent sure it's shoe polish, right? Not just generic black stuff. But that's yeah, but. Any generic black stuff could have been used on shoes in 1952. True. Like the composition of shoe polish to a lot of other black stuff now would obviously be very, be very different. But yeah. Who knows back then what the fuck it was made but out of? I mean, did of. they test to find out that it was shoe polish or were they just like a black mark? It is shoe it's polish. It's shoe polish. Again, because she was kicked, that feels logical. Yeah. So he goes into like the um, like the pins on the knee pad being at like 1.38 millimeters apart and replicates the imprint on precisely and I was looking at this piece of paper and to be honest it wasn't very HD and I was like it, it just kind of looks just black stuff it could have been made by anything it's mm. just yeah and oh and I mean when you do an imprint of something if you do an imprint on a piece of paper compared to an imprint put on like the curve of somebody's forehead with force like if I delicately brush something on a piece of paper, I'm going to get a different imprint than yeah. what I get if I it's slap like, it on a wall or something it, like that. It's also like with The Staircase, um, that amazing documentary, that's the fucking best thing ever, also makes me so incredibly mad. But someone trying to replicate something and someone actually doing, doing an experiment exactly. is very different. Yeah. If you're actually trying to make a result, you're going to affect the results that yeah, you get. Yeah, of course. And if you think that this is the knee pad fuel tank motorbike print and, you know, you replicate that, t- what else did he test? Did he test an army boot from 1952? Did he test anything nice. else to see if he could get a similar print or did he just test that? So, um, Riddle me that, guy on, who wrote this book. And then because the shoe polish was actually – it wasn't just found on her head. It was – all the black stuff, whatever it was, was found also on the outer of her legs. Mm-hmm. And he thought that came from a saddlebag on the side of a motorbike. This this old-timey policeman is getting around with the filthiest motorbike and saddlebag in history. He's just covered in black grime. So Mr. Reed's theory was that an hour after striking her with his bike, the panicked motorcyclist returned to make sure she was dead. He tampered with her clothing to make the crime appear sexual in nature but was startled when he heard a loud moan. He instantly placed both of his enormous hands around Betty's throat and proceeded to strangle the remaining life from Betty's battered body. So he took this story to a police officer. He had a visit from a detective and she saw his whole wall covered in Betty Shanks' stuff. He had one of those walls with strings? so. Like our image? Like our image? Yeah. So when that article was written, he was after an agent and a publisher to help him get the book out there for the sake of of, you know, Betty's family and the public. And Mm. I believe people have the right to know the truth behind the conspiracy and the death of Betty Shanks. I mean, look, not to feed the trolls after midnight, but the Queensland police at the time, as we have learned, not very good. Because Frank Bischoff from the Reginald Brown case was involved in Betty Shanks. So what was his role? He was one of the just investigators. He mainly was on the scene inspecting. The only image like that I found. Do. Yeah, I, the only image I found of Frank Bishop was looking, he was looking at garbage bins. Right. So I don't think he was really high up. He didn't have much control over the case. No. And those are my three theories on Betty Shanks. I'm going to close with 
I think, and this is what I've thought for a long time before I found out about all these other crazy theories. Not crazy. Mm -hmm. You're not crazy for thinking and trying to help, but... I don't think it was a motorbike thing. I think it was the mistaken identity. It sounds the most logical. If it does she looked sound the most like, logical. If she looked like the receptionist, someone was probably like, there's probably drugs in there, there's probably or cash. Or somebody had an issue with the receptionist. Or what maybe, if somebody wanted to rape and maybe. murder the receptionist? What if somebody had yeah. some psychosexual obsession with her? Mm. Or what if somebody, what if it was just a random? So I definitely want to read the other book, um, The the Murder of Betty Shanks, but it's out of print at the moment. So I'm going to see if I can get in contact with the author and Great. just try and find it because I went everywhere and I couldn't find it. But I could find, I know who killed Betty Shanks by Ted Doe. So I read that. Very not about he Betty Shanks. Know. We don't know. Nobody knows who killed Betty Shanks. So it's still open. And, you know, this story of Betty Shanks is like a it's, it is like a ghost story it's a fable mm. Mm. that is set around the areas of Wilston and the Grange because this it how like oh the I, once again I bring up the crime scene photos and this is a close-up of her face when she's getting her autopsy done and it is the most horrific thing I have ever seen um I can see it every time I close my eyes which I hate and it, it you know and you know it, it brings to mind the tragic murder of Eurydice Dixon. Of just somebody walking just home. Just someone walking home. And it's it obviously in 1952 was easier for people to believe that a monster had done this. So yeah. that affected the investigation. Yeah. Because it's hard to believe that someone is capable of this, but there are many, many people out there that are capable of this shit. I think that it's hard. Again, I don't actually know anything about like detective stuff. But it's hard to say, like, it was some random, it was some psycho who just wanted to kill her because, like, generally speaking, psychos who want to, like, rape and murder women for the thrill, like, if they do it once, it's because they got arrested. Like, yeah, yeah. it's not the kind of thing that... It's nothing that you stop. You don't get your fix the first time. So you would think that there would be similar, at least attempted rapes or attempted murders or attempted guy in Bush being freaky. Mm. It would make more sense to me that it was like meant to be her or meant to be the Ina, Ellen, Betty, whatever, Hamilton. Hamilton. Because, I mean, because there was nothing else similar, because there were no similar cases or anything like that. I mean, we we probably would have found out about it in research if there was. Mm. So far, no. So far, no? No. And I I think that's what freaked people out most is that it was like it seemed so random and that it was going to happen again. It's very sad that we don't really know anything about Betty Shanks. I know. It's awful. I mean, and I'm so sorry. That was such like a mishmash. But it, I think it, it. it's also, I should. I probably shouldn't have picked this murder because it's so like But close. we are trying to catalogue like important murders around Brisbane and I, and I and think, I it's, think an it's an important one. I think it's an important one to cover just that our city changed because of this. Yeah. It's the Beaumont children of Queensland kind yeah. of. Where everybody- oh, God. Are we doing that one? Of course. We can't not do that one. Oh. You heard it here first, folks, in like three months probably. That's right. We'll do that an episode shit. on the Beaumont children. Yeah, Adelaide is fucked. Adelaide is – what are you guys doing down there? Shout Come out on, if there's man. anybody in Adelaide. Please, Any listeners like, from Adelaide want to explain what the heck is in the water down there? Yeah. You guys be killing – um, if you have any more theories of Betty Shanks that you would like us to talk about, please uh, feel free to send them in an email, uh, murder, murder in the land of Oz podcast at gmail.com. Feel free to send us an email or you can send us um, any theories that you have on Facebook. We'd be really interested to know if there's anything I didn't cover because I wasn't thorough. Please let me know. <laughs> We'd love to do a follow up episode one time being like, we know who killed Betty Shanks. I would love to do a follow-up episode of saying they know who killed Betty Shanks because that would bring me so much joy and it would be something that I, if my grandparents were still alive, I wish I could go and tell them Mm. because we would talk about Betty Shanks all the time. Um, Before we close, I just want to say thank you so much to everybody who's listening and subscribing. It's really weird. Like we've gotten just over 900 subscribers. Which is about 900 more than I ever thought we would have. Yeah, I mean, Ellen and I started this thing because we, you know. We really like the sound of our own voices. Yeah, but also because, like, I really wanted to hang out with Ellen. She wanted to hang out with me. So now we have, like, a scheduled two week. Every two weeks we get to see each other and talk about murder. 
Which is our great passion. Definitely. I'm glad that you guys are sharing it with us. Yeah, it's really weird and cool. And if you want merch, go buy it from Tee Public. You don't have to. I would really like it. Also, if you have pets that you can put them in the proximity of the merch, that would be great. Yes. If you do buy merch, take a selfie and send it to us. We'll put oh, it on the Instagram page. We'll be posting so far. We've got some fans that have gotten some Murder in the Land of Oz merch. Merch. We'll be it yep. on the uh, Facebook. Uh, yes. So what's our next case, Ellen? Our next case is... I don't even want to call it the main murders because that's not really what it was. The did, main family. The main did somebody in the main family kill somebody and that's why they're rich. Won't Maybe be the title of the episode. Probably not. Because it's not very catchy. But that's gonna be our next case and like that's a big in. It's a big in. It's very Brisbane. It's so Brisbane. There's Kangaroo Point. There's can, St. Lucia. Yeah, you can go on a ghost tour, I believe. If you can't now, you ghost could at once tour. upon a time. Ghost tour. Ghost tour. Let's yes, do it. Let's do it. I would love to do a ghost tour. Oh my gosh, Brisbane. if there are fans in Brisbane that want to do a ghost tour, please send us a message and we'll do like a group booking. That'd be so much fun. That would be so whack. Let's do it. Yay! Okay, cool. So you'll see us back here in two weeks' time for the main murder family something. Someone did something and now they're rich. Bye. 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 <laughs>